Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 2 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. In this season, we want to focus on practical discussions about unity within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one so that the world may know. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. I'm Kevin Witham, and I am glad to be back with Tina Bruner, my co-host, who is, by the way, uh, serving with us today from Poland, I believe. Am I correct there, Tina? That and how, is right. How are things there, and, and how's your work with Global Connection going? Yeah, everything is good. Um, I am... Uh, in the midst of a lot of work with refugees here. And, you know, I never was a Game of Thrones watcher, but I do remember the big promotional thing, winter is coming, you know, and that is really the thing that I hear here like day after day, that people are concerned about the refugees that are here and the ones that will come. Um, Those in Ukraine who have been able to stay in their homes, even if they're slightly destroyed, because the weather has been fine, they are getting ready to experience something very different. So Mm. yeah, just finding ways that the church can be engaged and also being really encouraged by the way the church has stepped in to so many different points of opportunity. And yeah, it's, it's a, a important time for the church to be the church in the world. That's for sure. Boy, that really gives us something to pray about for you and your work and and these refugees. By the time this podcast probably lands with people, uh, winter will be will be in it or close to closer to it. So, Tina, prayers for you, Thanks. prayers for your ministry. Always good to be with you, sharing together in the Common Grounds Unity podcast. And great to have back with us, Robert Carrillo. Um, I gave Robert a more extended introduction. I want to just highlight again, I met Robert for the first time at the first Common Grounds Unity Gathering in San Diego, and our team is getting ready to gather again in San Diego soon, and I hope you're gathering in groups across the country and around the world as the Common Grounds Unity idea takes hold. But Robert was uh, formative in our first meeting, and he's back with us today. And since that first meeting, uh, Robert has moved out of his role at San Diego Church of Christ and out of his role directing Hope uh, Worldwide. By the way, Robert, Hope Worldwide comes up from time to time on our podcast because of uh, the ICOC's work in in Hope. Since you work so closely with it, can we just, can you give us a minute and and in just a second, tell us a little bit about what they do? Because our listeners hear that, and unless they're in ICOC churches, they, not, they might not be familiar with it. Then before you do that, I'm going to extend the uh, introduction a little bit more. Robert is uh, up in Los Angeles now with the Los Angeles Church of Christ on their teaching team and preaching team. He is also uh, one of the uh, 
people on the ICOC's Global Teachers Committee. And he has this great website, again, uh, thewayofthepilgrim.com. So, Robert, tell us just a little bit about hope and what you did with that and what that's all about. And then we'll come back to some of these other questions on spiritual formation. Yeah, Hope, Hope, Hope Worldwide is a uh, international organization that was started uh, in the Boston Church of Christ. Uh, actually, it was started as a response to a message, Remember the Poor, that just kind of rocked everybody's world. Uh, and um, as a response to that, there was a group of people commissioned. Bob and Pat Gimple took charge to start this international organization that that uh, began with uh, some uh, pillar works, uh, working with AIDS in Africa, working with uh, building the, the, the medical infrastructure of Cambodia. You know, they lost their medical infrastructure with the Khmer Rouge and everything that happened at that time, as well as uh, programs in Manila. And, and it just spread and, and pretty much organized, uh, run by, motivated by, fueled with volunteers from, from churches, from disciples of Jesus, and has spread around the world. It's uh, I don't know how many countries it's in now, but um, I remember sitting at a table in the United Nations meeting with with the director, with directors from Red Cross, World Vision, and we were in as many countries as all of them. You know, I was kind of mm. shocked because they're about fifty times bigger than us. But um, uh, doing amazing work with everything from hospitals in Cambodia to preschools, uh, providing. Uh, uh, all kinds of services in some of the poorest and and most uh, challenged communities around the world, and 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 sending thousands of volunteers around the world to to serve. So it's 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 an amazing organization. Well, it's great to have you here. You know, you you did that work, and that work continues. You got Tina here from Global Connection. It just reminds us we're not being spiritually formed just for ourselves but to be prepared for the works God has called us to do in the world and yes. be his people. So I appreciate your taking a little bit of time on that. Uh, Tina, let me turn it over to you to ask uh, Robert our first question for this podcast. All right. Um, so you've served in many congregations over the years, and we kind of alluded to in the last podcast about taking over and responsibility for some congregations that have gone through transition and and hurting congregations. Can you share from your perspective um, of those who are hurting, and what have you learned about bringing healing and health to those kinds of congregations? Yeah. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it seems to have become, I mean, I'm sure God's behind this, kind of the niche that Michelle and I, uh, my wife and I, uh, were working and was helping churches turn around. We, we were able to be part of several turnaround stories, Puerto Rico ministries in Jamaica, uh, New Jersey and, and San Diego, the biggest, and even Hope Worldwide was a, a spectacular turnaround story. And we're in one right now where we are, where we are in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, the, the, there's definitely a pattern that I see. And one of the things that I discovered in the very first situation we were in with it was Puerto Rico. Um, you know, I, I'd never gone into a, an established church. I, before that, just only planted churches. And um, so I went to the scriptures to really try to understand what, what exactly did Jesus do? Because in some ways, 
Jesus's ministry was a turnaround story. He, he didn't go to China or Africa or Latin America to start something brand new. He went to God's people to get them back on track, right? To, and, and what did his, what was his opening message? Repent for the kingdom of God is near, right? And what I found and discovered in that was a pattern that really does help people. Um, you know, the, uh, it, that that message to repent and 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 understanding what that really means you know what does metanoia really mean it's a you know we most of us know the word if you've been around you've heard somebody teach on metanoia or maybe the hebrew word shuv metanoia means to change right change your mind shuv really more means to turn around it's to turn back to god and if we understand that, that's the principal thing is to make a turn back to God and change your thinking, change your mind, which will change your heart. Turning to God changes you. And that's, we figured out was, it's always the first thing is to get people to fix their eyes on Jesus, to turn to God, to focus on God, to draw near to God. I, I've been in, I've seen ministries and even been in ministries where the tactic was going, preach scorching hot messages, and whoever is not a real disciple will leave, and then you'll end up with a group of real disciples, right? And that's, you know, that's like a scorched earth policy that is not what I saw Jesus do, you know? And I remember uh, somebody told me, I, I, I spoke to two leaders on my way to Puerto Rico. One said, I asked them, what would you do? And one said, go in there scorching hot, preach really hard what a Christian is, and whoever stays, that's your church. And then I asked, literally like an hour later, another leader, and he said, go in there and just love them. They'll respond. They'll be great. It'll be fantastic. So we, we chose the love route, you know, that we'd go in and love people. and But we did call them back to God, to focus on God, prayer, Bible reading, focusing, and and lo and behold, you know, if you challenge a church to be disciples after they've been having quiet times or reading their Bible for a month, it's a very different reaction than if you just go in and challenge everybody. That So we, just, we realize that calling people back to God is always the first step, is you get people back focused on God, being still, knowing God, uh, eyes fixed on Jesus. And it's interesting, like here in, in, in the metro LA, metro region of the LA church where Michelle and I are on. So first three years, first year, the focus, the, the theme was uh, knowing God. Second year, the theme was eyes fixed on Jesus. This year, the theme is encouraged by the spirit, you know, and that's, we're just getting everybody back to God. And what we found, what happens is, is people, they get discouraged right? They get disillusioned. Um, they, they sometimes just get disappointed. Especially when a church has been struggling for a while, they subtly, quietly lose their faith, you know? And, and so typically in a turnaround story, we go through the book of Hebrews because it's a call back to Jesus and a call back to faith, right? And that strengthens and, and revives us from the inside out, from beginning with our souls. And, and that also, I think very importantly, corrects 
the things that hurt people, whether it was legalism, harshness, uh, the ego and pride of a leader, uh, dishonesty, duplicity, hypocrisy. Jesus is the great healer. And, and, and fixing our eyes on Jesus, living in the truth and in the light, turning back to God, enables God to be able to heal us as a group. And I think that's incredibly important. And the amazing thing is that, is that in every situation, we see that happen, and then boom, people start growing, sharing their faith. They have a faith to share. They have a message to speak, and things start thriving again. People are, you know, happy Christians, grow, give, serve. You know, that's just what happens when they're inspired by God. So that's, that's I would say, what, what we've learned along the way is, is, you know, Jesus will fix it. Boy, those are some great, great lessons, Robert. Um, Kind of the theme of this particular podcast in what's been a a longer series on spiritual formation uh, today is developing spiritual congregations. So that's that's helpful learning for us to learn from from things that you've led through. I want to talk about leadership for just a couple of moments. We had uh, Steve Kennard and Randy Harris on uh, a couple of podcasts back for, uh, for several episodes. And I've heard Randy Harris talk about this before in uh, messages he's delivered on on how uh, Jesus speaks so little about leadership, but rather speaks about being followers uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. So he made this quote in in our interview with him. He said, I think it's interesting that if you read through the Gospels, Jesus has basically nothing positive to say about leadership. He only talks about leadership a few times, and it's always in the negative. Don't lead like this. And his alternative to that, bad leadership, is not good leadership. His alternative to bad leadership is being a servant. Do you have any thoughts about this statement and about common leadership mistakes that often do not lead to to what it is that Jesus intended or called us to? Yeah. um, You know, I've spent a lot of time thinking, praying, and meditating on this one, um, which is what ultimately led me to Pepperdine and Fuller. Uh, um, I think, you know, when when the ICOC hit its wall in 2001 to 2003, it really kind of made me sit down and think, okay, what are we doing? What kind of churches are we building? And what kind of leadership are we providing? And um, I think that the honestly, I, I, I've been contemplating this for 20 years now. Uh, the number one issue that I see from what I've learned, what God has shown me, is a lack of spirituality. I think the leaders who do great work and are used in great ways by God are men and women who walk with God and are and allowing God to instruct them, to guide them, to lead them. And conversely, or the opposite is leaders relying on their own talents, their own abilities, their education, their experience, uh, and really guiding and leading themselves. And that's, of course, every leader is a sinful person. And if you're guiding and leading yourself, then you're going to cause a lot of damage. 
And if you're allowing yourself and you're living a life led by and guided by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then God can correct you when your sin causes mistakes. And God can show you. And I always think, you know, if God can speak through a mule, then he can speak through anybody in the fellowship, even a non-Christian, an atheist, uh, any religion. And for but But it takes, I believe, being guided by the Holy Spirit to know to listen, to know to pay attention. And so I think that's that's the the most coming. And there's, you know, there's sub points of that. Of course, there's too much ego. Most of us who become leaders, we become leaders because we're competitive, we're egotistical, we're driven, we want to do more or better, outshine everyone. And that's what got us in leadership. The question is, once we're in leadership, do we allow God to work on us and to purify our hearts and to, and to you know, root out the ego? And if you don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of documentation that churches really attract narcissism and narcissistic leaders. And so I think that is the poison in the church. And, of course, that happens at a leadership uh, level. And the lack of spirituality leads to too much humanistic thinking and we rely on numbers we you know somebody has to be sharp to be a leader somebody has to be good looking to be a leader somebody has to have the right credentials whereas god used many people that we would never choose to do great things so i think that I mean, all, almost all of this really is rooted in how spiritual are we and of course the competitiveness to be the fastest growing, the biggest church, the shiniest church, the 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 the, the highest growth numbers, all of that is just toxic. And I'm not against growth. I'm not against the church. I want the church to right. evangelize the world. I want the church to be a light to the world and save the world. But I'm not in a competition. And yeah. and I think it, it it spirituality lets us let go of outcomes and productivity. And you're more it's concerned. Like we forget that we're on the same team. Yeah. We're not competing against each other. We're all in this on the same yes. team in the same race. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, what are some I, practical ways that spiritual formation can transform the way we serve as we seek to be Christ-centered leaders? What are some things that can counter? I like what you said about you know if we're if we're leaning in the spirit, the spirit can correct us as, as yeah. we go. And if we're not, the spirit can't, but what are some other practical ways that, that you see that we can live out of our leadership in a more Christ-centered way? Yeah, I think, I think this and herein is to me, the value of spiritual formation is it teaches you to slow down, to listen to contemplate, to pray, to, you have to be silent to hear God's voice. You have to be listening. You have to be aware. Uh, and, the, and, and I think spiritual formation teaches us to have a much deeper walk with God to how do you fix your eyes on Jesus all day long? You know, how do you live in the yoke of Jesus and and how do you listen to the Holy Spirit? And how do you know? I mean, when the Holy Spirit told Paul not to go into Asia, how did he hear that? You know, was it a thundering voice or 
Was it something he put on his heart? You know, I, I think the the practicals is to just stop and learn mm-hmm. and to listen and to pray. And, and to me, and, and like one of the discoveries I've made is every scripture has so much to say if you just stop and listen for a while, think about it, and God will reveal much more. And I mean, he would open people's mind. I love it like the road to a mouse when Jesus just opened their minds, you know, or when they were sitting there by the fire eating the fish and Jesus, and suddenly they realized when he broke the bread. I think those things need to happen regularly. And that's what spiritual formation does. You realize, aha, you have so many aha moments, you know, and and it, which shifts us to focusing on healthy building instead of fast numerical growth. I mean, I think about the, I think of like an act six when they had the, one of the first big problems in the church. So they appoint these seven guys to take care of the problem. Why? So that they can focus on prayer and ministry of the word. That was clearly their top priority. And I don't think it's most leaders top priority, but so that's just the practicals of Spend more time in the Bible. Spend t- learn how to meditate. Learn how to contemplate. Learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Give the church back to the Holy Spirit, and that's a constant challenge because most of us who are leaders were doers, and we want to achieve and we want to shine. And I think one of the greatest challenges is getting is putting my ego on the cross. Honestly, it's just dealing with my own ego. If I could deal with my ego. I think I'm much more useful to Jesus. Well, Robert, that's that's good stuff. I, I grew up singing a hymn. I don't know if you all sang it much in, in the ICOC. Uh, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And there's this, there's this great line, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Yeah. Um, that's just a great line because so much it seems of our ministry work is done in our own flesh. And that's exhausting. You used it in our yeah. last episode that uh, you, so many are tired and not inspired. And yet the spirit strengthens our inner being. Yeah. So developing spiritual leadership is so critical. Men and women, you know, you, you referenced Acts 6. They look for men full of the Holy Spirit. How'd they there know that? There was some evidence of such. Yes. Um, so love, love all that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the ministry you're in now. I I think, is it safe to say that the ministry where you currently serve was hurting when you and Michelle arrived and are you able to share about this situation generally? And, and what did you all do to bring the congregation back to a place of Shalom, back to a place of peace and well-being? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's a huge question. Um, and at first I would say we're not there yet. But we're well on our way. I'll say that. Um, you know, the 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 metro region did suffer a lot. It's been through a lot. This is a group, amazing hearts, wonderful disciples, who've gone through uh, the valley of shadow and death, and and been through the grinder. Uh, I feel like the, the this group are the people who have just hung in there through thick and thin. You know, they they've gone through some pretty rough leadership, uh, aloof and distant. They've gone through a major split in the church, which I think is one of the most dev- devastating things that could happen to a church when a leader 
a different leader, not even the leader I referred to, another leader basically took off with a big chunk of the church and accused other people of things. It was just very painful. And after they had sowed a lot of division within the church. And so the church was very divided, not trusting each other, not trusting leaders, um, and just hurt. I mean, honestly, just very hurt. And they have come such a long way. It's a joy to lead this church. And they've made such great progress. Uh, the, the, the plan essentially is the same one always is turn to God, focus on God. Uh, we, you know, year one, the focus was knowing God. Year two, the focus was fixing your eyes on Jesus. And right now we're in the middle of encouraged by the Holy Spirit and quiet time packets, studying, prayer gatherings. I mean, all, and, and, you know, it was particularly challenging. Honestly, if we had 12 steps to turn the church around, we got to one and a half and the pandemic hit. You know, we'd only been here two months in the pandemic. I didn't even know the members of the church. And I'm here, we're, you know, we've only been meeting in person for about eight months now. And I'm still meeting members, you know, even though I've now been here three years. Uh, But the essential part, getting people back to God has happened. And the part of getting incredibly important, getting the leaders back to God. You know, one of the first meetings that we were still able to squeeze in before the pandemic hit, we made a list of what are the sacred cows in the church, in leadership, and what are the elephants in the room nobody wants to talk about. And I had to prod people to say anything because they were they were scared to even speak in front of each other, you know, and create a safe space to tell me what are they. And we made a list. And we, we declared it hunting season. We're going to go after the sacred cows and the elephants in the room. And we're going to submit everything to Jesus. And mm-hmm. we worked on building a spiritual team. We've appoint, we just appointed three elders in the, in the region. Uh, we're raising up deacons right now. And uh, we're raising up new ministry staff. And teaching them to walk with God and trust in God mm. and to lead their people. So that, I mean, as, as basic and simple as that sounds, that's causing a turnaround. And there's an excitement in the fellowship. And now they're catching a vision for what the church can be again. That's amazing. You know, um, I just wonder if a young minister or pastor evangelist came to you and asked for you to mentor them on how to build spiritually healthy life and ministry what would you want them to know at the end of your time of mentoring? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would want them to know how to lead ministry like Jesus did, how to do ministry like Jesus, how to depend on God, know when to go to a quiet, solitary place, know when to and how to take on the demons to build faith in the church these essential things from jesus how to carry the yoke with jesus not carry their own yoke um how to be moved and inspired by the holy spirit how not just to read scripture but how to read scripture how to get the most out of 
their relationship with God so that they are sufficiently empowered by the Holy Spirit, sufficiently guided by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and even how to take care of their souls so that they can take care of others and, you know, how to refill their themselves. That, that's, I think I would, what I would want most. And, you know, it, it, in our history, Michelle and I's history, for whatever reason, God seems to have moved us from one city to another about every three years, every three to four years, and sometimes from one country to another. So we, we've developed the habit of when we hit the ground, we look for leaders that we can pour ourselves into and to teach them to, to live spiritual, authentic lives in Jesus and to teach that to others, to teach others how to live an honest life in Jesus. And it's amazing how, how God just blesses that and incredible things happen. And it becomes very clear that it's not them. I mean, it is them in that they created the space and allowed themselves to be used by God, of course, as go the leaders, so go the people. That's You can't get around that. But really what they're doing is opening the doors for the power of God to work in people's lives and to for the spirit to bear fruit in the fellowship so that the church can bear fruit in the city. And that, that I think, if they understand that, and that kind of gets back to that original quote we talked about, about that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Robert, th this has been just a great delight having you as a guest. And we, unfortunately we're, we're needed to kind of come to a close here and there yet there's so many things we could continue to talk about. We hope you'll come back sometime in the, in the future and share with us more, but thank you for being here. And, uh, but before I wrap up with some comments, is there anything you've kind of left off that you think, well, I really wanted to share this or anything you'd like to say in closing? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Cause there's something I forgot to say earlier that I really wanted to say when you, you had asked me, what are some of the dangers or concerns about spiritual formation? And I think, and I gave some of those, but what I wanted to say at the end, and I forgot to say is that spiritual formation handled properly makes us like Jesus. Mm, so it amen. doesn't make us self-centered. It doesn't take away from the mission. It doesn't turn it into a turn a disciple into a self-improvement plan. You know, it's it is Galatians 4:18 that 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 we are having Christ formed in us, you know, that we are maturing, being continually transformed. And so man, how how healthy would a church be if everybody was like Jesus? You know, I mean that's amen. just so that's that's what I want to say is is let Jesus be formed in you and watch out what God will do. Oh, I love that. that I'm so glad I asked. I, that, that is like, that's it. That's the end, isn't it? That we're being formed more into the image of Jesus. And that's that's been the goal of this whole series uh, to our listeners on spiritual formation. Robert, you've made some great contributions. You got one more thing. Can I got, say one more thing that I want to say was that, I hear people say, you know, oh, our greatest days are ahead of us, you know, and I know that it's almost wishful thinking, and especially in the ICOC when they had explosive growth in the 90s. I really do believe our greatest days are ahead of us, but not because of numbers, 
because of becoming like Jesus mm. and being a light that shines brightly in a desperately lost, suffering world. That's greater things than these. And, and that, to me, is what excites me and I think will excite every disciple to get out of bed and go out there and face the world and be a light. Amen. It, it is, as Paul said, it's a progression from one degree yes. of glory Absolutely. to the next, right? So, yep. so with that kind of in mind, God is moving us all to greater degrees of glory until he comes again. And uh, we're in the age to come with the kingdom in its fullness. So all good stuff. Um, kind of to close this out, we do this with our guests. It's in a very important question, so you're going to have to think hard about this. Uh, you used to be down here in San Diego. I, there was a time when I could just pop across town and we could have coffee together, but now I'd have to get on, on the five and shoot up to Los Angeles. And uh, Tina would have to catch a plane from where she is in <laughs> Poland right, and fly all the way over. But if, if it were uh, an opportunity for the three of us to get together and have a cup of coffee, because our motto, by the way, is unity begins with a cup of coffee. It's relational. Nice. It's sitting down and getting to know brothers and sisters of Christ from whom either we've been estranged or just haven't taken the time to get to know. So if we were to do that with you, uh, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> uh, light and sweet. <laughs> light so and a little sweet. sugar. A little sugar little and sugar. Not, not too dark. A little sugar and a little cream. Oh, there not you go. Dark. A little cream. Gotcha. Yeah. Very good. Any favorite coffee spot there in Los Angeles? I may just take that drive sometime. Oh, man. Yeah, the Carrillo's house. I make there good you coffee. go. I bet that's a good <laughs> cup of coffee. Well, brother, so good to have you with us. Thank Tina, you. good to be with you in this this series. And boy, God's blessings on all you're doing. Uh, why don't you close us out, Tina? Do you have any closing thoughts or... Yeah, I'm just really excited. And, you know, I hope for our listeners that they get as much out of these conversations as we do. And we really look forward to input from our listeners. So go to the Common Grounds Unity Facebook page. You make comments on the Common Grounds Unity website. But uh, yeah, this is a really great community. And I'm really uh, grateful for the time we've had with you, Robert. So don't forget, guys, uh, unity starts with a cup of coffee. So go and have a cup of coffee with someone that's not in your stream or uh, that might even have a different take on some of these things so that you can be enriched in your spiritual practices. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you can't find a gathering in your area, we can help you start one. It's not difficult or time-consuming, and we'll help you out along the way. It really does simply start with a cup of coffee. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.